Hello and welcome to Handelsbank and Insights. I'm James Sproul, Chief Economist at Handelsbank UK. We're going to look at three big things this week. First of all, the economic outlook, what's happening to the UK economy, that Bank of England decision to raise interest rates once again to 4.5%, and then we'll close off looking a little bit at the housing market. Joining me is Daniel Moni, our UK economist. So, Daniel, last week, UK growth, a bit lacklustre. What's sitting behind that? Yes, very lacklustre. So in terms of figures, uh, on the quarter, just 0.1% growth. So very, very lacklustre indeed. And actually for March's figure, month on month, we saw a contraction, minus 0.3%, and that wasn't expected. So what's going on here? I mean, there are certain things that are weighing down on the figures. So there's obviously been industrial action that's had a bit of an impact. But in terms of what's happening with growth in different sectors, we're not seeing much of a difference. So obviously, the the economy is very much services dominated, but we're not seeing services or manufacturing outperform one another in that quarter, at least. Over the longer term, uh, we are seeing services perform better uh, than manufacturing. And you see that quite clearly in the PMI figures. But as I say, if you look across the board, it does look like it's flatlining. We're not actually the only country in the G7 in that position. Germany is facing troubles as well. They've obviously got specific issues because of their dependence on or the previous dependence on Russian gas. But nonetheless, what's quite a depressing statistic is that if you look at our GDP compared to pre-pandemic levels, it's minus 0.5%. And that's the worst performance of any G7 country. One of the things that we look at all the time on this is um, the savings rate and what's been happening. Because of course, during the lockdown, people accumulated lots of savings. They couldn't spend the money as much. And that wasn't just in the UK, but that was uh, something that we saw you know, across the Eurozone, across the US as well. And I just wonder, um, you know, savings seem to have been rising again, you know, the, the, from, from the um, initial plummet after people were, were unlocked. But what's been going on with that? And what, what do we see happening there, both, both here in the UK, but also maybe the US or the Eurozone? Yes, it's a slightly different picture depending on whether you look at business uh, deposits and savings and household savings. So business savings are being depleted. We're seeing that quite clearly. Um, And part of the reason for that is simply that the interest rate environment hits them much faster. If you look at corporate loans, most of them are floating rate. And you can incidentally see that in the business investment figures that have been very, very lacklustre and will probably continue to be so, uh, not least because uh, corporation tax rates are increasing. So that's that's a very clear trend. With households, it's a bit more unclear. Uh, so as you said, there was obviously this growth in um, savings well above trend during the pandemic, so about £200 billion of savings. We're not seeing that kind of growth, but there is confusion about whether we're actually seeing um, savings being depleted. So there was a drop in deposits in March. But interestingly, that wasn't just about depletion of savings. So some of it was uh, moving deposits from banks into NSI accounts, for example. Um, And there's also a bit of evidence that some um, people might be moving into gilts because they're quite quite attractive rates at the moment. So um, as I say, with households, it's not that clear about whether households are beginning to dip into those savings. Great. So uh, let's uh, keep on the the theme of interest rates and uh, the Bank of England, of course, raising 25 basis points. That's in line with what we had been forecasting. In fact, what's, I think the whole market as a whole was 100% convinced that that was what was going to happen. And of course, it's exactly what did happen. But um, looking forward, there's also some interesting stuff that came out around that decision, um, what the Monetary Policy Committee said, how they voted, etc. So why don't you give us some insight into that, please? 
Yes, yeah, so the vote was seven to two, and we've seen that breakdown actually for a few rate decisions. So it was seven backing a 25 basis point increase and two just backing no change. The backdrop to that was the fact that we had inflation and earnings numbers coming in much hotter than expected, um, and that's why rate setters, well, the majority of them at least, felt that they needed to increase rates. Now, the Bank of England also published an inflation report, which they do every quarter. I'd say that showed two things. One, which is that the growth outlook looks much better compared to the previous quarter. Now that's being influenced by lower energy prices, a better global outlook, uh, also uh, some loosening of fiscal policy at the budget. Uh, but it, interestingly, the inflation uh, outlook, the Bank of England thinks it will be higher for longer compared to their previous forecast. So they're expecting inflation to go down to about 5% by year end and to be stickier from that point than what they were previously expecting. So I suppose the question now is what what next? Are we at peak rates? Are we going to see further rate increases or may we see cuts in the in the near future? And now we've obviously discussed this and I think our position at the moment is that we probably are at peak rates uh, because it's going to take some time for previous rate hikes to filter into the economy. I mean, if you look at how long it takes uh, for monetary policy transmission to happen, it could be six to eight quarters, you know, partly because of the way the mortgage market is made up now. Uh, 80 to 85% of people are on fixed rate mortgages um, and that's up from about 30% earlier in the decade. So you can see that, as I say, it takes some time for those rate increase, the impact to be felt. And I think that's, that could be why we've reached peak rates now, because as I say, we're going to see a lot of that impact come through in 2023. Yes, I say, one of the things that's interesting there is, of course, we've been saying for some time that we expect um, that inflation to be a bit stickier uh, and therefore rates to remain higher for longer. They don't need to go higher than four and a half, but they do need people to stay here. And so we're not looking at our forecast for them to be cut until the beginning of next year. Uh, so let's move a bit onto the housing market, of course, because um, those rates and, and what's happening there has an enormous effect on the housing market. We seem to have um, stalled a bit. Now, we've got a, a forecast which is looking for a sort of 7 to 8% fall from peak to trough on the, um, on the residential housing. But that's not what's happened last month. Yes, that's true. And that's based on the Halifax and Nationwide Housing Price Indexes. Now, just to clarify what that's based on, it's based on mortgage approval data for their respective data sets. Uh, But both of the indicators do seem to be suggesting a plateauing in house prices. Now, they've both shown a peak to drop fall of some kind. Um, So they've been on a downward trajectory from about the middle of last year. But as I say, in recent months, there does seem to be this plateauing. Uh, So that raises the question, what does this mean for for future house prices? Um, I think we suspect that this is probably a temporary blip, if you like, a temporary plateauing. If you compare the political and financial market stability now to the autumn of last year, I think it's fair to say that we're probably in a more stable environment. And that's probably reflected in these figures now, uh, which is why, as I say, this correction that was Um, was in process is now plateauing. But even if you look at mortgage approval data, we have seen a bit of a spike in the most recent month, but it's still well below 2022 averages. And I think what you'd infer from that is that the correction's probably got some way to go, particularly as what we were just saying before, the monetary policy tightening is going to start filtering through in 2023. Uh, So I think the, as I say, the correction's probably got some way to go. I believe, as you say, we're uh, projecting a peak to trough fall of around 8% in, in house prices. And I think what's happening at the moment is consistent with that forecast. Well, thank you for that. And um, so let's also just quickly turn to commercial property, because, of course, uh, lots of people are looking at that. They're looking at the U.S. and they're seeing the difficulties that the U.S. banks are having with commercial property. Uh, and they're they're fearing that that 
um, contagion will come over from the US. Not necessarily that it's the European banks have exposure to it, but they could find themselves in a very similar position both here in the UK and potentially in parts of the Eurozone. So, so what are you seeing in commercial property? Yeah, so, so there has been a, a much bigger correction in the commercial property market uh, compared to the residential property market. So if you look at the last six months of last year, industrial prices fell by 25% and then office and retail fell by 15%. One caveat is obviously industrial prices absolutely surged in the previous uh, few years. So it's just correcting prices that have, have previously risen quite dramatically. Now, encouragingly, if you look at Q1, prices have effectively plateaued for, for commercial property prices. And you can see that across all the asset classes. So what what the main question now is, is that are we going to see a kind of double dip in prices, which could mean that there could be a further correction, or are we now plateauing? And does that represent more fundamentals in the in the market? Now, if you look at what happened in the global financial crisis, you did see this double dip in commercial property prices. So from late 07 to early 08, you saw initial dip. Incidentally, the profile was quite similar to what you've seen so far in this current correction. There was then a plateauing, and then there was a further dip. But just to emphasize that further dip was associated with a peaked trough GDP fall of 6%. We're projecting flatlining growth, which would seem to suggest we're not going to see anything of that kind of magnitude. That's not to say we won't see any further corrections at all. There are obviously some underlying dynamics in different asset classes uh, that could still play out. And also there could be a macroeconomic shock that could affect prices. But nonetheless, in terms of base case, I don't think we're looking at anything like what we saw in the, in the global financial crisis. Well, Daniel, thank you for that. If you like what you've heard, please do feel free to share us on uh, social media. It helps other people define the podcast. And we look forward to speaking to you next week.